Welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. This is your home for progressive, thought-provoking real talk in the chiropractic profession. Featuring the legends, the innovators, and the thought leaders that move our profession forward. And now your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Oh, hello, everyone, and welcome to Forward, the podcast, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. Before we get started, my name is Dr. Bobby Maybe, and I need to mention our sponsors for the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. Uh, they love you guys. They support evidence-based chiropractors and chiropractors in general, and they really want, I want you to know who they are so you can support them as well. And uh, we're just going to run down the list. This isn't one big long commercial, but there's just a list of names of the sponsors. If you want more information about the sponsors and any of the offers they have for our FTCA members, just let us know at contact at forwardthinkingchiro.com and we'll get you their offer sheets. Our sponsors are Hyperice, Jane, the Jane app, Drop Release, T-Tool, China Gel, the Smart Chiropractor, and Gestalt Education. And I do believe we're going to have some announcements shortly uh, about another sponsor or two as it goes. So those are our sponsors. Thank you very much for supporting the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance uh, with all that you do. And I also want to let everyone know that coming up soon, we might have a live event announcement for our annual event. It could be time to get back to meeting up with each other again. So our guest today is Colin Carr. Uh, Colin Carr is a commercial real estate expert who has successfully completed over a thousand commercial real estate transactions while saving his clients hundreds of millions of dollars. That's a lot of money, by the way. Uh, Colin founded and scaled Carr, a nationwide commercial real estate company to exclusively represent the unique needs and interests of healthcare providers. That's you, the listener. Colin has mastered several niches in the healthcare real estate industry and is passionate about helping others maximize your profitability through real estate. Today, the company Carr, we talked about this, Colin. Uh, we talked about this last time we interviewed. Uh, there's Colin Carr, the person, and then there's Carr, the company. Carr is the nation's leading healthcare real estate advisor with a team of almost 150 experts that span coast to coast. Uh, Carr and Colin Carr out of Denver, Colorado, by the way. Every year, thousands of healthcare providers trust Carr to help them achieve the most favorable terms on their lease and purchase agreements. Colin, today, let's save people's lives through commercial real estate. What do you think? That sounds great to me. That's not facetious either. We've got things to talk about uh, that deeply affect people's lives when it comes to managing their business. There are, there are literally lives at stake, especially when we want to get into our conversation about uh, interest rates and things of that nature. Yeah, there's a lot of things that, uh, that happen in real estate that people uh, passively observe or they just kind of you know, roll the punches, you know, sign a lease, buy a building. And there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. And so if you are apt to pay attention to it, there's a significant amount of opportunity to capitalize on. What's the news flash? What, is, what has happened over 2021, 2022 in the commercial real estate market that people should pay attention to? Uh, there's a number of things. You know, obviously, uh, people have been watching with, with COVID and watching with the economy. And, and there's all these other things that are indicators, like, are we going to end up in a war what's going on at the border, what's going on with, with you name the decision. But I think the reality is that people have realized that business is going to continue regardless. You know, even yeah. when, when the whole world shut down for a few months, you know, it was back up and running very quickly. And it speaks to the, the credibility and strength of the healthcare industry. So I think there's really good news from the standpoint of 
you know, if the entire world shuts down in a way that we've never seen before, and yet healthcare providers still find a way to get through it and then and then come out on the other side thriving, you know, we're not going to get stopped, um, whether it's a, you know, stock market adjustment, whether it's, you know, a, 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 a conflict or a war somewhere, the world's going to keep on going. And so people need to do the best they can with what they have. And that's what we're focused on. Yeah, I try to make people understand that as much as I can. You know, I, I use analogies like, people were still doing business during world war ii people were still doing business during the great depression people were still doing business during uh the 19 uh, you know world war one and the spanish flu and all these other things uh you know we we market we trump on <laughs> for lack of better words yeah. we march on that's the word i'm looking for we march on i'm sorry to anyone that i i that's what's changed in the last year or so colin is now, if you use a word like Trump, you have to apologize. I apologize <laughs> to anyone that I used the verb Trump. Uh, so let's move on from that. All good. All good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bobby, I think it just speaks to the whole idea that, look, you, you want to capitalize. If you're going to, if you're going to, you know, purchase real estate or if you're going to do a lease and the difference between a properly negotiated transaction or an average transaction could be tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Let's capitalize. Like if, if the right. economy could tighten up, if interest rates go up, if you know, if inflation continues to rise, if you know, uh, if the supply chain tightens and, and it affects your business, your practice, your your family, whatever it is, let's capitalize in every opportunity we can, so that you're in the healthiest position possible, so that you can weather any storm in the tough times, and that you can thrive during the you know during the the, the high times. So, what happened in the commercial real estate market through COVID? Did Ever did a whole bunch of people go out of business? Now there's a bunch of open storefronts and commercial real estate super easy to come by. Uh, yes and no. So a, a significant amount of people did go out of business. Uh, a lot of companies decided that they were going to downsize their office spaces, large office users. But the challenge is that a lot of those guys were in you know long-term leases, and so they're starting to give back space over the last year or two. They're going to keep giving back space. So the office market as a whole is definitely softening. Um, retail saw a, a small reduction, depends on the type of retailer you're talking about. If it's the mom and pa type retailer, those guys struggled more. The large nationals didn't struggle as much. Yeah. Um, so retail softened a little bit, but uh, it stayed pretty steady. Other areas uh, like industrial, I mean, it's never been, never been stronger. So it depends on what segment of commercial real estate. Um, when it comes to the healthcare provider, you know, you're looking at, you know, mostly retail and office space. Uh, there was a slight dip there where landlords got a little nervous, weren't sure what was going to happen. Um, but for the most part, they they've stayed pretty bullish on on the market. So you can you know you can arguably get a little bit better deal today than you could have prior to COVID. It, it dipped a little further right away. It's come back up a little bit. So you can get a little bit more favorable deal today than you could have prior to COVID. But it stayed pretty consistent. Um, and then the other side of that is it does cost a little bit more to, to do a deal when it comes to construction right now. Supply chain's obviously been very disruptive. So yeah. the cost of construction, the cost of doing a deal has gone up a little bit. So it kind of offsets it. And, and really, you know, if you're going to do a deal today versus, you know, two, you know, two plus years ago, it's the same overall cost of the deal for the most part. Yeah. It's a wash in the, in the process. Um, I would like you for, for this next little segment here, I, I want you to, I'm going to give you, um, I want you to internalize our average, one of our average listeners in their scenario and how you can help them uh, see a, see a, 
see a light that they don't exactly see sometimes. I, I got to admit, for some of our audience members out there uh, that I'm about to describe, I'm somewhat a little bit frustrated with their lack of vision when it comes to business, especially uh, real estate, commercial real estate side of business. So this average uh, listener here is a young chiropractor. Maybe they just graduated from college and they're just getting started, or maybe they've been working for a year or two and they've, they've got a little bit of cash equity, but they don't have a lot of actual true equity. Like they don't own a home, uh, uh, other real estate uh, assets like that. Um, they want to get their business started. So they want to start seeing patients, right? They want to start billing for services. They want to start helping people. And they tend to, uh, how do I word it properly? They tend to jump into the first opportunity available for them from a commercial real estate standpoint. So a lot of them will just rent out a room um, and I, I know if you're running through your, uh, you know, your dental clients and that vision, like how can a dentist run out of one room, right? Uh, they tend to sublease or maybe sublease space inside of a gym, like in the back of a Globo gym or in the back of a CrossFit. Uh, they tend to want to integrate with the fitness industry or the rehabilitation industry. And not a lot of them are asking questions about, their own space, the appropriate amount of space that they should start in, maybe building a cushion of space instead of leasing out the smallest space available uh, for future growth and scaling. These folks are the future of my profession, but they're not thinking big enough to be the future of the profession, if that makes sense. They are only, they're really survival minded. And I'll give you that much and I'll let you run from there because I know you can. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great summary. Yeah, I mean, I think there's different philosophies and schools of thought of, you know, what's what's the the smallest I can go and what's the 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 least I can pay and how do I play it as safe as possible? And that's certainly, you know, one way of doing things. And that could be the right scenario for certain people, um, depending on the stage of their career. But I mean, the other side of it says, how can I find, you know, the best location with the, you know, with the with the best patient experience to where it feels much more professional. And it's going to draw a much larger crowd and I can market towards this and I can build a true practice, not just, not just by myself and just, you know, I'm the only person working there, you know, in the back of the gym or, or what have you. So, you know, I, when it comes to, when it comes to the latter approach of how can I turn this into a true practice that has true you know, value, it's a, it's a very legitimate asset that I could turn around and sell. Um, and I have the ability to scale it and then bring in other providers or offer a lot of other services. And I could be the one subleasing my space to other people um, that are helping to do things like massage or, or whatever else you want to bring in there. Um, you know, the latter requires more acumen. It doesn't require a lot more effort. It just requires you hiring the right people or engaging the right people that know how to help you be successful. Like, for instance, the, the build out of a chiropractic office is one in which you can get a lot of landlords to pay for the entire build out for the most part. I mean, you might still want to update it here and there, but you know, the, the build out of, an, of a chiropractic office does not require the same plumbing considerations and the same, you know, the same, you know, uh, oxygen, gas lines, et cetera. You don't have the same level of equipment and technology that, that a, like a veterinary office or a dental office does. So if you, if you were to get into the right market, hire the right people, 
it's very possible to get a landlord to pay for the entire build out for your new office. And so it's also very possible to get a, a legitimate landlord, again, not a sublease in like the back of the gym, but a real landlord to offer a free rent package to help get you off the ground where you don't pay rent for the first three or four months. And there's other considerations with staggered leases and how can you start lower and then, and then maybe work your way up if you sign a longer term lease. And so there's ways to capitalize and find yourself in a much better location, much nicer property, and, and to put off a much better impression as far as your professionalism and what you're doing for the market um, and that you have a legitimate practice versus just, you know, taking that what's cheapest because, you know, what's cheapest might be the fit for you for a season. But uh, if you want to grow a real practice, you're going to have to go beyond that. How did I know, like, we've only talked once before this. How did I know that you would nail that? You would, you would, with that, we don't rehearse this stuff, right? Like, we talked about the weather a little bit before we push record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just, I mean, that was perfect, especially you use the keywords patient experience, which we're so keyed in on right now, because I think especially my ideal audience, they're so clinically competent. They are, they are really, really, really good at their jobs, but they really, really, really aren't that good at creating this patient experience that delivers what the outside world's looking for with their services. Um, you know, so yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate I, that. I agree. And, and I mean, the reality is, is like, how, how do you know how to be a real estate expert? Like you're not going to learn that in school, right? Like you're not going to learn that you, you have to hire someone and you don't have to be the expert. You have to hire the expert. It's no different than accounting. Like I would consider myself pretty competent when it comes to math, but I don't understand tax law. Like I'm not privy to all the different brackets and when you tear out of different uh, different deductions and credits and yeah. different levels of depreciation. Like that's why I hire a really good CPA and they, they do great work for me. Yeah, it's I, no see, different you, I see you printing out your K-1s right now. Yeah. You're, just, you're in your own office. <laughs> exactly, yep, <laughs> setting up my own 1099s, yep. Um, no, you don't do that. So I think the key is when it comes to growing your practice, you've got to have the right, you got to have the right experience you got to have the right the right approach to grow your business through things you can do organically with you in the community uh, and in your area. You got to you know couple that with the right types of marketing, and then you know when the patient steps foot in that door, what's their experience? You know if it's in the back of a gym in a little room with no windows, and I mean that's the type of patient that you're going to draw, and they they might be okay with it, but are they going to be really excited to refer you to their you know to their colleagues, friends, and family? And it's different if you're in a nicer space and, and they walk in and it's, it's comfortable and it's not crowded and they can see some natural light. And then you walk into a room that's not cramped and there's not, you know, people yelling next door with the CrossFit music going in the background. Yeah. It's just a whole different experience. So I think a lot of people just find a property or find a space and they settle there. And that's not how commercial real estate works. There's always an opportunity. There's always something to consider and at the end of the day, if you are going to stay in the back of that gym, or if you are going to stay in that, that average office building, at least know what your other options are so that when you make that decision, you've made an educated decision and not just guessing. That's a big mistake people make. Yeah. And I don't want to make anyone wrong for starting however, whatever way they want or wh whatever way they need to, because you've got to do what you got to do. But like you said, there's always got to be a, a plan, a scaling plan in place, or you're just going to sort of stagnate in one, one spot. And I do have that personal experience. So I, uh, when I practiced in California, I live in Oregon now, but when I practiced in California, we had a beautiful practice in a Victorian building. It was 
myself and a medical doctor. We were a cash only practice that was doing really, really well. But I also wanted to accept uh, insurance payments and insurance patients. It was just our policy in that building, in that practice that we were not going to break. It was a cash only facility and we weren't going to blur the lines. So I did, I went, uh, I, at one town over, I opened a practice that was, that took insurance and it was inside of a gym. Cause I thought that's the way I wanted to do it. Right. I wanted people to see action. I wanted them to be mobile. I wanted them to start loading themselves and not be afraid of moving their bodies. And sure enough, I got a new patient. We went through the whole process as she wrote a review on Yelp. He seems like a good enough doctor. He was really nice, all that stuff. He took care of me well, but his, his office was in a gym and it was like all run by computers. Like everything was automated, you know? <laughs> and I just don't, I just don't think he's very successful because he just runs his office out of the back of the gym. She had no clue that I had a fully successful office for years that was on one town over that was super busy. Uh, fortunately, uh, and Yelp, like a lot of, of my patients from the other office jumped to my defense, like, no, nah, he's good. He's good. He's just trying to start something new. But you know, that, that impression, that, that impression matters, especially um, when it comes to service industry, which this might be healthcare, but it's still service. Yeah. And so like you said, these little nuances, which are aesthetic in nature, make a big difference for patient experience, like lighting, visibility, parking, uh, sound. You know, if you have a massage, if you're trying to run massage and you're in a CrossFit gym and they hear like, you know, DMX in the background, it's going to be hard for them to enjoy the massage. Yeah, no. And, and it's, you, we live in a, in a very visual world and people are constantly, you know, uh, acknowledging what they're experiencing. Do I like it? Do I not like it? And you just, you can't get around it. I mean, you know, I do commercial real estate for a living and if I showed up in a, in a rundown, you know, beat up car, your first question would be like, why is he, this is, this is how he's going to give me the first uh, impression of who he is. You yeah. know, if I show up dressed sloppy, you know, and I mean, if I show up unprepared to a meeting and I don't have anything to write with, I mean, those are just very basic things that people would say, well, of course, but what, what is a patient going to think when they show up to a space and the carpet's dirty, or, you know, it, it is not the nicest area of town and the parking's difficult. All of those things contribute towards how they feel about it. And, you know, there's a lot of studies that have been done on, you know, what's the number one reason that someone would return to a practice uh, or see a provider again. And, you know, again, different ones rank things differently, but you've got, you've got price in there. You've got the actual doctor, they're, 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 you know, bedside table side manner. You've got the front desk person who you're interacting with predominantly. Um, but office space is always one or two on that list. Like the quality of the office and the experience always comes into play and it's hard to overcome those things. Like you can be the best clinician, you know, in the area, hands down, but if it's not the most exciting environment or if it feels like it's run down or dirty or that you're just, you're cutting corners, it's challenging to overcome that. Yeah. And you think you're saving yourself money and rent, but you're really costing yourself. You're either costing yourself lost revenue or you're going to have to spend more to market to people to convince them to come to your office. The cost of acquisition of a new patient. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's the number one thing you're looking at is, you know, what is, what is the referral worth for you? I mean, if you do a really good job with a patient and then they refer one or two people to you, you know, what's the benefit of that versus not getting the referral, but saving a little bit of money in rent or utilities. 
And that's, you know, we see it all the time. You said I nailed it on the head. I see it all the time. You know, we walk into people's offices all the time and we look at their, you know, what they're paying for that space. We look at the quality of the property and we start talking about upgrading them and their response is, well, I can't afford it. And we're like, well, what if, what if you could, what if the landlord would pay for enough of your build out or, or all of your build out? What if we could get enough free rent to offset all your moving costs and then give you a couple months of breathing room? What if the cost of being in a, in a class A building versus a class C was only, you know, X dollars per month and each patient is worth X dollars per month in a new referral or a new patient. Like, do you think if we got into a, a class A building and you market it properly that you could grow it by, you know, five patients a month or, or three or whatever that number is. And when you actually break it down, it's really, uh, it's really surprising to people. It's kind of like the idea of, you know, you're driving this old beater car that's 20 years old. And it's like, what if I told you that just the cost of maintaining that car and, and all of the insurance and everything else was not much different than a brand new car. It's a no brainer. You find that in real estate all the time. Perfect. Do So let's take that. Let's, let's have that vision of that ideal listener, whatnot. And let's take them through the car process. Like you kind of hinted on it already, just a little bit right there, but what process would they go through with you? So we start by finding, you know, what is your requirement? What's most important to you? you know, what do you need? Obvious concepts are square footage. Um, other concepts are, do you prefer office versus retail? Are you trying to lease or purchase? Um, do you have any other types of uh, ancillary uses that you want to be adjacent to or close by, you know, close proximity to other providers or services? And then, you know, what's most important for you? Is it a big sign in front? Is it a window line? And so we try to gather as much information as we possibly can. Then we go to market. We, we find all the top properties that best fit their requirement. Sometimes, you know, if you're in a market that has you know, a huge inventory, you might be starting with 25 properties and then narrowing down to the top five or six. You could be in, you know, Orange County and you might be looking at two properties that meet the requirement. So yeah. we just try to figure out how many properties meet it. And then we try to whittle it down to properties that are only the top options. We don't want to waste anyone's time. If someone's hiring us, they're hiring us because they want the best terms economically, but we also need to protect their time. So whittle it down to the top properties, pre-qualify them, make sure that the information is accurate, uh, go to the market, and then we show the doctor the top properties, you know, four or five, six properties. And then what we do is we always negotiate on three or four properties simultaneously. And this is different than residential real estate. Residential real estate, you go to market, you find a house you like, you submit a contract, and it's, yeah. it's one and done. One contract, they say yes, and you're under contract. Commercial real estate, you negotiate on a non-binding basis. So you're not locked in until you sign that lease agreement. That doesn't come till months after negotiating. So we negotiate with three or four landlords simultaneously. And this gives us the ability to look at options to lease or purchase. It gives us the opportunity to look at retail and office and really show the doctor, here's all your options. And then when you do that, when you educate them, they're going to start figuring out very quickly which property they prefer, um, which would be a better fit for them. And that's giving them the peace of mind to make the best decision for their practice possible. So again, we're, we're interested in saving money. We're interested in saving time. We're interested in avoiding pitfalls and complications. But that last item of peace of mind, like that's what you're going for. Like we can't, we can't fabricate a property that meets all your needs. It's either there or it's not there. And we can't promise you a certain economic, you know, package, like it's going to be different in every market. But what we can guarantee is that you see the full market, you don't miss any opportunities. And then if we go three or four rounds of negotiations on three or four properties, we're not going to leave money on the table. Like you're not going to wonder if you receive the best terms possible, you're going to know I got the best terms possible at the best property 
at this point in the market. And again, that peace of mind gives you the ability to make the decision with confidence and move forward. Yeah, it's peace of mind. It's also education and empowerment too. So I know a lot of people walk into these, particularly the lease uh, negotiations, thinking that they are, uh, you know, the, the second class citizen in, in the deal, instead of thinking they have any certain powers of a negotiation uh, or, or any sort of leverage. A lot of them don't think they have any leverage at all in walking into these situations. Yeah. I mean, and it depends on how they're walking in. If, if a healthcare provider walks in by themselves up against a landlord that negotiates professionally for a living. Yeah. That landlord's has, laughing his way all the way to the bank. Yeah. And so they're just going to assume that they can say whatever they want and do whatever they want to. When the healthcare provider shows up with an, an expert advisor and that, that, that landlord or listing broker knows that their agent knows the market, knows how to capitalize, specializes, and is not going to let their client get taken advantage of, it is a whole different negotiation. You, uh, well, that sounds expensive. That sounds expensive. Like, how do you make your money? How are you going to say, how are you going to save me money and you make money at the same time? That, that's one of the best parts about our world. So commissions in commercial real estate are paid exactly the same way they're paid in residential real estate. And that's the landlord or the seller uh, pays the commissions. That's awesome. If, if you're going to sell your house, you'd hire a listing agent most likely. And then you'd have a commission that's already negotiated before your first buyer even shows up. And it's a commission that's built for two people. If the buyer shows up with an agent, that commission gets split. If the buyer shows up with no agent, the listing broker, the seller's agent gets a double commission. So it's the same in commercial real estate, whether it's a lease or a purchase, landlords allocate a certain percentage of the deal for the tenants or the buyer's agent. And so a lot of doctors, a lot of healthcare providers will, will show up saying, I'm going to do it myself and I'm going to save money. The, the fallacy there is you're not determining the commission. Like you're not in control of how much money is set aside or what's getting paid. You're not in the position of the seller determining commissions. So a lot of health providers will show up to a property, try to handle their own real estate, think they're going to get a better deal. And, and the irony is a lot of times the landlord will actually tell you, if you don't use a broker, I'll give you a better deal. Right. And, and literally, they're like you said, they're laughing all the way to the bank. Like they're, they're literally saying, you know, this, this, you know, this guy was dumb enough to believe that I'd give him a better deal. Meanwhile, I didn't pay the commission to him. I paid double, double commission to my broker. I just kept the money. And then I also ch charged them $3 a foot more on the rent, gave them less TI, less free rent, put more strict considerations in the lease. And then again, the doctor thinks just because the landlord told them it's a better deal than it is. And it's, it's not, it's, they're, they're getting the, what I call the doctor discount, you know, <laughs> air it's, quotes. It's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we always joke. It's like, you know, you just hear it's a better price or I'll give you a discount or if you don't do this, I'll give you a better deal. And people believe that, but it's, I, it's 25 cents each or three for a dollar. We'll go ahead and give you the bulk discount. Right. Right. Well, they want to feel, you know, the, the doctor wants to feel good. That's the only, they don't want stress and they want it. They want the transaction to feel good. So that works. Correct. They, paid, they paid a lot of money for that good feeling. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. So if if there was a listener that wanted to work with you guys, what do they do? Um, the best way to get in contact with us is to go to our website, and that is car.us, C-A-R-R.us. In the upper right-hand corner, we've got a couple tabs. One of them is find an agent, and we've got agents across the country that specialize in healthcare only, tenant and buyer rep only, so no conflicts of interest, no landlords, no sellers, just the doctors. And we can get somebody in touch with them and they can set up a complimentary time to meet with them over the phone in person. They can do a free lease evaluation. They can do a purchase versus lease comparison. 
but they will they will start out finding what's important to the doctor, what do they want to do, you know, what's their objective, and then they will they will take the whole process from there. Um, what if we had some upstart students out there? I know they're listening, and they're they you know they're six months out from the point when they would uh, start looking at leases, maybe a year out, probably six to eight months. Can they start proactively contacting you? to start absolutely. to prepare themselves. Yeah, absolutely. We, we do a ton of work in, in schools, residency programs. We, you know, we talk to people that are, that are a year out, two years out, five years out all the time. And you know, for us, again, it is a transactional uh, business, commercial real estate, but you know, we yeah. are very, very relational. I mean, we've been, we've been doing this now. I've been doing this for over 20 years. Our company has been around for over 13. We have clients that we've done you know, one deal with, 10 deals with, literally 50 deals with. So you know, we're not going anywhere. And so if, the, if it's the right time for someone now, let's talk about it. If they need information to prepare for two years from now, we'll be more than happy to spend time with them and get them the information that they need so that when the two years come, they're ready. Well, let's and talk about I, that real fast because I want the chiropractors, especially the young chiropractors and the students to hear this from you. Because I think I know what the answer is going to be because you work with dental professionals, medical professionals, other healthcare professionals that have their own rigorous educational programs and all that. Let's take like a dentist, medical doctor, whatever. How much in advance are they contacting you to start talking about space for private practice or to purchase property? It's typically at least 12 months in advance. Okay. I want the young chiropractor to hear that because I know most of you all are like, I need a new place in two months. You know, or I'm graduating in, in six weeks and I need to find a space to practice. That is the fundamental problem here, or at least one of the fundamental problems that we are running up against. Like chiropractors don't start looking for new space until they're unhappy or they're squeezed up against a wall. And that is always in the world of business when you get kicked right between the teeth. Yeah, I mean, you've you got to time the transaction properly. If, if your if your space is going to require any level of build out beyond just like carpet and paint, you know, beyond just aesthetics, but if you actually need to move a wall or, or change things and you have to pull a permit, that's going to be at least a four to six month process just there. And then that doesn't include actually finding the location, negotiating the actual deal, working with attorneys on the lease. It, it takes time. So, I mean, thankfully, you can build out a chiropractic office a little bit quicker than a dental office. Sure. Um, in some scenarios, but a lot of times they, they run parallel. If you've got to pull a permit and get architects involved and, and do that whole process, it can take uh, six to nine months uh, easily up to a year easily as well. Yeah. Looking at you, Florida. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, the best advice right now for a young chiropractor who's listening is make this connection with Carr as soon as you can, at least get a relationship because they are relational, relational in nature so that when it is time to perform a transaction, you can perform it with confidence and you can have some, as we said, peace of mind, and you can be in some control of the situation instead of operating out of fear. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I can go back and say, I, I remember, uh, you know, one of my first chiropractors I worked with, we helped them lease a space that was like 1800 square feet. And we did a five-year deal on it, um, you know, enough time to get them uh, a healthy TI and free rent package. Again, the, the longer the lease, the more the landlords can give you in exchange for that. 
Um, you know, they did great there. They outgrew it, went and helped them uh, lease the next space, which was over 4,000 square feet. Got them a phenomenal deal on that one. Landlord paid for the entire build out that time as well too, but really upgraded to a nicer building. And then we negotiated an option for them to purchase that property after five years. And then five years later, we helped them, you know, buy their own space. And, you know, they, they now have an asset that's worth uh, as much, if not more than their practices. And, you know, when the time comes to, to get out of their practice, that real estate will probably be worth twice what their practice right. is worth. Yes. Yeah. So, my, my assets are worth, they, they make more in appreciation at this point, you know, whatever, if it's a bubble or whatnot. My, my assets appreciate more than I earn working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, and so that's, that's the progression. It's, you know, uh, it's never too early to start. And, uh, you know, again, a, a lot of the process, if you're younger, uh, either if you get ready to finish school uh, or you, you're a couple of years into your career, a lot of the process is you just got to learn who is going to be on your team. Even if you're yeah. not going to transact for a few years, who's the architect that you want to work with? What yes. marketing companies do you think you do the best job for you? Do you need a consultant? You know, all these different things. And you start figuring that out so that when the time comes to do your transaction, you, you've already researched it. You're ready to go. You surround yourself with the most qualified and capable professionals possible. It's going to dramatically increase your probability of success. That's great. That's excellent. Um, speaking of increasing our probabilities for success, let's transition into inflation, which... We're at a 40-year high, 7.5, I think, was that inflation rate that I just came so. out? Yep. Um, how does, so obviously owning commercial real estate versus leasing is going to give you much more advantages, but in general, commercial real estate, how does it help hedge against uh, out-of-control inflation, which we're pretty close to dealing with here? Yeah. Well, a couple of things. I, I said, if you do own commercial real estate, uh, that that helps you weather the storm. I mean, interest rates right now are still are still fairly low, or really very low. So um, yeah. there's opportunities to refinance. Lenders typically will work with you more than a landlord will. You know, a lender does not want to get a building back if you're struggling on payments. A lot of lenders will, you know, will refinance you. They'll do payment forgiveness. They'll find a way to help you bridge the gap or weather the storm. Um, that's great. You know, there's some benefits on the lease side though too with landlords giving free rent so you know if there is heavy inflation and, and things are costing more um landlords know that and they'll try to make the deal more compelling so they're willing to, they're willing to offer you know more favorable terms higher higher free rent packages stuff like that um but yeah i mean I, i've been i've been through three different economic downturns in my commercial real estate career and you just got to find a way to weather the storm uh, would you say a simple one is like, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a longer term lease that locks you in at a lower price and that could be an advantage as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, most leases are going to be set terms, you know, that have an annual increase. Like you mentioned, it could be a 2% or 3% annual increase, but yeah, depending on when you lock that lease in, if, if the market continues to inflate lease rate wise, and also just cost of goods and inflation as a whole, you know, you're going to typically uh, stay below that increase. So that is one good thing is as things are increasing in price, if you locked into a contract, you know, three, four years ago, or, you know, or, or today, as things keep increasing, that's going to prevent you from, you know, experiencing as much of that uh, increase. But here's another thought, you know, we've got these young chiropractors and in, in, in our scenario here that we've drawn up there, they don't have enough space. They didn't lease out enough space. They didn't purchase enough space, uh, uh, you know, God, 
God forbid they don't purchase enough space. And then something like this happens where there's inflation. We need to, like, uh, for lack of better words, drum up more business, right? Offer a different service. Maybe we add um, massage or we add nutri- we add another source of revenue to our business where we want to. And then we turn around and realize, I don't have the space to do that. I'm stuck. So now they can't even hedge against inflation by offering another service or working harder because they haven't planned out ahead of time. Yeah, I mean, it, it happens all the time. And again, I think the, there, there's a, a balance here. You want to get enough space that you have the ability to grow. You don't want to get too much space so that you're, you know, you're drowning in rents or mortgage payments. But um, you do have to think beyond just what do you need right now? You've got to go, you got to go past what's my immediate need. You know, if you know you're about to get married and have a family and have kids, I mean, you, you, you're not going to go buy a one bedroom house. Like you're going to think differently than that. And yeah. you've got to do the same thing in commercial real estate. You've got to, you got to be more forward thinking. Again, there's a balance. You can't get more than you can, you, than you can handle, but there's got to be more than you can handle right now. Yes. That's nice. Uh, just out of curiosity, how the commercial purchasing process versus home purchasing process, you know, you, you lose a certain number of years of your life or hair on your head trying to buy a home, especially for the first time, what is a first time commercial real estate purchase like in comparison to a home purchase? Yeah, there's a a handful of differences. Um, Number one, uh, in the commercial world, uh, things cost a little bit more. It's a little bit more expensive to get into the commercial world than is residential because there's less available products. I mean, when it comes to residential, you've got the, the, the ownership side, you have the rental side, but there's a lot of options for you. And the commercial side, there's less options. So typically the options that are available for you are going to cost more and they're going to be, you know, you, you can't go in and buy a, a studio uh, building for a business. You can buy a studio apartment or a studio home or a two bedroom home um, up to a 10,000 foot home. In commercial, they don't build them as small as they do in residential. So a lot of times the spaces are, are larger. One way you get around that is a lot of people do develop office condos. And so you can buy some smaller office condos that maybe are, you know, 1500 square feet, 2000 square feet. That's a great way to go. Um, certain things in commercial cost more. If you want to get an appraisal for a house in residential, that appraisal costs $500. Right. If you want to get an appraisal for a commercial purchase, it's going to probably cost $4,000. Um, if you're buying a commercial building, you're going to need to get uh, some form of a survey. It could be a couple hundred dollar survey, or it could be a $2,000 Ulta survey. Um, a lot of times in commercial, you've got to get some type of environmental study or waiver, and that can cost a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. So the, the entry or the cost of admission into commercial is typically a little bit higher up front with additional fees. Um, loan wise, a standard mortgage in residential is 30 years and a standard loan in commercial is 20 years. If you do an SBA loan, small business administration loan, those go up to 25 years, but a standard loan in commercial is 20 years versus 30. So you're going to have a a shorter amortization, which usually means a little bit higher payment. Um, Interest rate wise, uh, rates in commercial are a little higher than residential as well. So if you see some residential rates advertised with a local mortgage company or bank, you're going to pay a little higher in commercial, but they're still very competitive. So overall, the process is very similar. You know, it's it's a 45 to 60 day process to go under contract, buy a building, Um, typically it can take longer than that, depending on the lender, but it's typically about that process and it just costs a little bit more, but, but, but yes, what are the buts? Yeah. But you're, you're positioning yourself to have what's one of you're going to be one of your largest assets. I mean, you're positioning yourself to own something that's going to be worth, 
you know, hundreds of thousands or over a million dollars in 15, 20 years is to be paid off and, and free and clear. So the, the cost of admissions higher, but the, the upside and the value uh, and the reward is also a lot higher too. And that's the nature of the game. Usually more risk, more cost, bigger payoff in the end. Yeah, it's just like owning a practice. I mean, if you want to be an associate um, or work for another practice, you can do that and still do very well. And you avoid, you know, overhead issues, you know, hiring. I mean, you avoid all the things that come with owning a practice, but there's usually a greater reward for owning that practice. And it's the same thing when it comes to commercial real estate. Um, leasing can be a great decision for a lot of practices, depending on the stage of your career. But if you have a chance to own your real estate and diversify and build that additional asset, and again, after 20 years, you're going to have an asset worth, you know, half million or 800,000 or a million. That's, that's very desirable. Excellent. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, cause I want to wrap this up right there. I think that's a lot of action steps. I would like people to reach out to you and contact, uh, car, the, the company, not, not car, the person he delegates, He's got <laughs> professionals on duty waiting to serve. Uh, but how can they reach out to y'all and get started with the conversation and get things right? Yeah, the, the website car.us, that's the best place to go. And then if you want to get more education on the process, which is always really uh, advisable, we've got some phenomenal resources. We've got, we've got hundreds of, of articles, videos, blogs, um, case studies. And so you know, my, my parting advice would be just give real estate the respect that it's due. Realize that it, it can help make you very successful. It can increase your profitability. Uh, or it can drain you. And so do the best you can with every opportunity that you have and, and do so by hiring the right people, being educated and surrounding yourself with the best team of professionals. Excellent. Yeah. And you are a consummate professional. It's always a joy to talk to you. You definitely know your game. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And uh, anytime we want to talk, I, uh, I'm going to go through your resources too. And if I can have permission, if you want to give me permission live, I would like to be able to share those uh, resources with as many people as possible within our community. Absolutely. Yeah, we would love that. Um, I, you know, when I'm talking to you, I, I don't ever want it to end because I know there's some other things we could talk about, you know? <laughs> to be continued. To be yeah, continued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's definitely continue this. I'd like to get a little bit more into the commercial. I mean, we talked a lot about leasing this time around. I would like to talk about the purchasing world uh, and commercial real estate on that end as well. Absolutely. Would love to. All right, my friend, I appreciate you very much. 